Chapter 8 of Mildred's Married Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christy Bitter. Mildred's Married Life by Martha Finley. Youth trends on flowers where he goes and finds on every thorn a rose. We are almost there, time to don hats, gloves, and cloaks, and gather together bags, boxes, and bundles, exclaimed Dr. Landreth in his cheery tone, reaching Annis her hat from the rack overhead as he spoke. Milly, my dear, bending over her in tender solitude, how is the headache now? I'm thankful I shall soon have you out of this close, overheated atmosphere. No, don't disturb yourself, Annis, and I will take care of the bundles. Now give me the boy. Here, beckoning to the porter as the train came to a standstill, carry out these packages, will you? Now, Milly and Annis, keep close to me, but don't be uneasy. This is the end of the road, and we have plenty of time. Annis had hurried on her wrap, and now, catching up her satchel, turned to her sister, who was fastening her cloak with, "'Oh, Milly, make haste, and I'll keep close behind you.' "'No. Go on, child,' Mildred answered, gently pushing the little girl on before her. Another minute, and they were assisted from the car by their Uncle Dinsmore on one side and Cousin Horace on the other. There was Elsie, too, waiting to give a welcoming embrace to each, and beside her Mr. Trevia, who had ridden over to meet his old friend Charlie Landreth, and be introduced to his wife.' for the mistress of Ione had so often sounded Mildred's praises in her son's ears that he was very desirous to meet the object of her acomiums. Tired and travelled stainest as she was, Mildred did not show to the best advantage. Yet the beauty of form and feature, the intellectual and sweet countenance, seemed to him to fully justify his mother's praises. With joyous exclamations, "'Oh, Elsie, dear!' Oh, Annis, how glad I am you have come at last. The little girls clasped each other in a warm embrace. Greetings, introductions, and friendly inquiries exchanged all around. The travelers were speedily bestowed in Mr. Horace's Dinsmore's comfortable family carriage and driven away in the direction of the Oaks, their luggage following in a wagon. Elsie was lifted to her saddle by her father's strong arms. He vaulted to the back of his own larger steed, and the older Mr. Dinsmore and Mr. Trevia having mounted theirs, all four started at, a, started at a gallop in pursuit of the carriage, which they presently distanced, exchanging smiling salutations with its occupants as they passed. Elsie rode by her father's side, and the two gentlemen a little in, in advance. "'You will go on to the oaks with us, father, and you, Trevia?' Mr. Horace Dinsmore said with hospitable cordiality. "'Not to-night, Horace,' the old gentleman answered. "'I'll be over to-morrow, if nothing happens to prevent. "'I want a talk with Mildred, but she's tired to-night and ought to retire early.' Mr. Trevia, too, declined the invitation, on the plea of an engagement to meet a gentleman on business. So presently, when they reached the spot where their roads parted, Elsie and her papa were left to pursue their way alone.' 
Now for a race to the Oaks, Elsie, Mr. Dinsmore said gaily. Let us see if we can get there in time to receive our friends on their arrival. So the horses were urged till they almost flew over the ground. Elsie had never ridden so fast before and enjoyed it keenly. They arrived so much in advance of the carriage that she had time to run to her dressing-room and have her riding habit exchanged for a white cashmere and pink ribbons, then join her papa and mamma in the principal entrance hall as the carriage drew up before the door. The warmest of welcomes awaited the weary travellers. Never were guests more welcome, was Mr. Dinsmore's salutation. Rose embraced Mildred with sisterly affection, saying, I'm so very glad you have come. I am sure we shall love each other. I do not doubt it, Mildred answered. I was prepared to love you for your husband's sake, and now I see that I shall for your own. And, Mamma, this is Annis, Elsie said, releasing the latter from a vigorous hug and drawing her toward Rose. Annis, this is my pretty new Mamma that I told you I was going to have when I was at your house. She is pretty and looks very kind, too, Annis exclaimed in a burst of honest admiration. "'Thank you, dear,' returned Rose, in evident amusement, bestowing an affectionate kiss upon the child. Mr. and Mrs. Dinsmore themselves conducted their older guests to the apartments prepared for them, Annis and Elsie following. "'Oh, how charming was Mildred's delighted exclamation when shown into the beautiful boudoir, whence open doors gave glimpses of dressing and bedrooms equally inviting in appearance.' and she turned with beaming countenance to her hospitable entertainers, adding, "'What a haven of rest after our long, weary journey!' "'I hope it may prove so, indeed,' Rose said, looking greatly pleased. "'We want you to make yourself perfectly at home in our house, Milly,' added Mr. Dinsmore. "'You too, Charlie, call for anything you want. A servant will always be ready to answer your ring.' and do not feel that you are tremelled by any of the rules of our establishment. Rise in the morning and retire at night. Come and go as you like. We will be glad of your company when you are disposed to favor us with it. But when you prefer the solitude of these rooms, do not hesitate to indulge that preference, he concluded laughingly as he withdrew, presently followed by his wife. In the meanwhile, while Elsie, after allowing Annis a hasty survey of Mildred's apartments, had taken her into an adjoining bedroom, saying, "'Now, Annis, dear, you are to choose between this room and another next to my sleeping room. Mamma said so because she was not sure whether you would care most to be near Cousin Milly or near me.' For several minutes Annis gazed about her in silence, seemingly struck dumb with surprise and admiration at the richness and beauty of her surroundings. A velvet carpet covered the floor, lace curtains draped the windows, the bedspread and pillow shams were of pink silk covered with a film of lace, chairs and couches were cushioned with satin damask, while sweet-scented hothouse flowers and a variety of other pretty things were scattered here and there with lavish hand. Oh, she cried at last, drawing a long breath, what a lovely room, fit for a queen, I am sure. Did Cousin Rose really intend it for me? Yes, if you prefer it to the other, Annis, but won't you see that before you decide? I should so like to have you close beside me, 
Elise said half-imploringly, putting an arm about Annis's waist and drawing her toward a door opposite that by which they had entered the room. "'And I'd like it, too,' Annis returned with hearty acquiescence. "'And in fact,' she went on, "'I'd rather not be where everything is so handsome and costly, because I might spoil something. "'That wouldn't make any difference.' "'Tis easy to replace things, and one grows tired of always seeing the same,' Elsie said. "'But I think the other room is quite as pretty in every way as that.' She had led Annis into the back hall, and they were now descending a flight of stairs that led to another on the ground floor. Reaching that, they presently came to a door which, on opening, admitted them to a bedroom that was as Elsie remarked, quite equal to the one they had just left. "'This is it, Annis,' she said. "'That door yonder opens into my sleeping-room, and you can get to Cousin Mildred's from here very quickly and easily by the way we came.' "'Oh, I'll take this,' said Annis. "'Twill be ever so nice for us to be close together.' "'Oh, won't it? I'm so glad. Come and see my rooms, if you are not too tired.' And Elsie led the way, Annis following, through bedroom, dressing-room, and boudoir. They were large and airy, and so luxuriously and beautifully furnished and adorned that Annis almost thought herself in fairyland. She said so to her little cousin, adding, "'What a happy girl you must be! You seem to have nothing left to wish for. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth.' Elsie murmured, half aloud, half to herself, then turning to Annis, a very bright, winsome face. You know Jesus said that when here on earth, and though I am very happy, I sometimes think I could be just as happy in a hut with his love and my dear papa's. Yes, assented Annis. I wouldn't be without father and mother for all the money and fine things in the world. But, oh, isn't it time for me to be getting washed and dressed? "'Yes, I'll have your trunk carried to your room,' Elsie said, ringing for a servant. "'And Mammy will help you dress, if you wish. Oh, here she is,' as the old nurse appeared before them. "'Mammy, this is Cousin Annis Keith. You remember her, don't you?' "'Yes, indeed I do, darling,' she returned. "'I's glad to see you at de Oaks, Miss Annis. I hope you and me child have de best of good times together.' she added, dropping a curtsy to the young guest. "'Thank you, Aunt Chloe,' Anna said, shaking hands with her. "'Yes, Mammy, we are going to be close together,' said Elsie. "'So please have Annis's trunk brought immediately to that room, indicating with a motion of her hand the adjoining apartment, for they were now in her own sleeping-room. "'Bless your heart, honey. I'll see about dat directly.' and Aunt Chloe hurried away in search of the luggage and a manservant to carry it. "'Is Cousin Horace near you at night?' asked Annis. "'Yes, indeed,' Elsie replied with joyous look and tone. "'That door beside my bed leads into the room where he and Mamma sleep. Their bed is very near to it, and Papa always sets the door wide open before he gets into bed, so that if I want him in the night I have only to call out, Papa, and he is beside me in an instant.' "'Oh, it's so nice, Annis. I feel so glad and safe with my dear earthly father so close to me, and our Heavenly Father always with us, taking care of us all. You know the Bible says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Aren't they sweet words?' 
Mr. Dinsmore sat alone in the library, reading by the light of the astral lamp on the center table. A door on the farther side of the room opened softly. A little white-robed figure lingered for a moment on the threshold, then with noiseless steps so stole swiftly to the back of his chair. Two round white arms crept about his neck. A soft cheek was laid against his, and a low, sweet voice murmured in his ear, "'My papa, my own, own, dear papa!' The book was hastily closed and thrust aside. He turned half around in his chair, caught the little graceful figure, and drew it to his knee to caress and fondle it with many an endearing word. "'Where is Annis?' he asked at length. "'Taking a bath while Mammy unpacks her trunk. Then Mammy will brush her hair for her and help her dress.' I hope she will find herself quite refreshed and with a good appetite for her supper. Are you not fatigued after your long ride? A little, Papa. Then sit here and rest for the present, and you and Annis would do well to retire early to your beds tonight. I should advise her to defer even an introduction to the dolls and their house until tomorrow. I can hardly help wishing tomorrow was here, exclaimed the little girl. I'm in such a hurry to show her Jip and Glossy and the two new ponies and the Phaeton and ever so many other things. Well, my child, go to bed early and tomorrow will soon be here. I shall give you a holiday for the rest of the week that you and Annis may get your fill of play and find lessons enjoyable by next Monday. Oh, how nice, Papa, she cried, giving him a hug. "'But I thought you were fond of lessons,' he said, pinching her cheek and smiling fondly down into the bright little face. "'Yes, Papa, so I am usually, but I like a holiday now and then. And may I drive Annis out in the Phaeton every day? You may, when there is nothing to prevent, two or three times a day if you wish. But you will want to ride sometimes. The Shetlands can be used in the saddle, and I think will be best for Annis to learn on.' if, as I suspect, she has never ridden. And you will teach her, Papa? No one could do it better. If she wishes, but Dr. Landreth and Mr. Trevia are quite as capable, and she may prefer to learn of them. I don't believe she will. I'm sure I'd much rather have you than anybody else. At that he only smiled and stroked her hair. End of chapter 8 Recording by Christy Bitter